Hey there, friends. Welcome to the CFC Leadership Podcast, where we focus on everything campus ministry, college ministry, and young adult ministry related. Whether you're already working in one of these ministry areas, thinking about starting a ministry, or you just have a burden for this age group, this podcast is meant just for you. I'm your host, Kyle Austin, and now it's time to join with us in today's conversation. Well, welcome to this episode, and for today's discussion, we're going to talk about the need for apologetics in young adult or college ministry, and we will talk about what apologetics looks like on a practical level as we go through this discussion, and we will talk about how you can utilize apologetics effectively in your personal life, but also in your ministry. And with me today for this conversation is our special guest, Mike Lopez. And I just knew as I thought about this topic, just seeing his experience at the high school level, his passion and really burden for apologetics, and then for the uh, college age group, I knew he would be a great person to help us as we talk about this topic and bring uh, really some good experience. So let's dive right into this topic on apologetics. I know for some, they're hearing this word apologetics, and the first thing that may be coming to your mind is a professor at a college with a PhD, lots of academia, and that's just it, writing books and just beyond your reach. But as we talk about apologetics, it's really much, much more than that. And from my experience, apologetics is for every believer. And so, Mike, just as we kind of jump into it, we're going to get to the practical aspect, but just as introductory, when you talk about what apologetics is, how would you define or talk about exactly what apologetics is today? Sure. Yeah. So if you're new to this topic, it, it's uh, something that seems silly, but you need to get out of the way. Is It has nothing to do with apologizing for your faith. Um, so if you're new to this field, that's just important groundwork there. It's the opposite. In fact, in the strictest sense, it has to do with defending your faith with answers, uh, giving, giving reason. So it actually comes from uh, scripture. It comes from the Greek word found in first Peter three 15. We're familiar with that verse it says, be ready always to give an answer. That word answer there is the Greek word apologia. And so transli- transliterate into English apology um, to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with, with meekness and fear. Um, I like how Sean McDowell explains apologetics because uh, it can often kind of come across as like this purposeful confrontation as almost like you were talking about. You have this professor and he challenges your faith and it's your duty to come back and challenge him back in a very dogmatic, jerkish way. Um, but that's, that's not it at all. He kind of comes about it from a standpoint of it's basically just having a conversation, uh, using logical reasoning to respond to criticism and, uh, put forth, uh, various lines of evidence to show truth. So he says, it's not about winning arguments as much as, as it is about winning, winning people. And so I kind of like that approach. Yeah, no, I love uh, that approach to it. You know, apologetics. Sometimes people think in your mind it's, it's arguing, it's back and forth. But I think the correct type of apologetics is love, is preaching the truth in love. And I, I like what somebody said. It's loving someone enough to answer their honest questions. That's essentially the the heart of apolog- apologetics. And I think it's even if you don't know the answer, um, that's when apologetics becomes true to our lives because we need to go find and search out those answers, even for our own faith in turn, to be able to teach that other person who's maybe asking us that question. Um, so uh, as far as apologetics for, you said you're dealing with it on the high school level. Also, it's floating right into the young adult college ministry, which is what Collegians for Christ ministers to. 
on a scale, uh, why do you think apologetics is very, would you say, let me back up, would you say it's very important, mildly important, and then, you know, what is important about it, instituting it into young adult ministry? Yeah, I would, I would say it's critical. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned earlier, I am an educator, so I kind of have to understand the inner workings of child development from a psychology standpoint. So you tell a young child, and if you have young children, you understand this, you tell them to do something without much explanation at all at that stage. Um, obedience at that stage is key. And then understanding comes later. Uh, they don't they don't have the brain development capacity to understand reason. Um, in educational psychology, we call this the pre-operational thinking. So they're just, they deal with what is in front of them. That, that is all that is real to them. Um, so you just tell them, they obey. Uh, we all know this um, if you deal with children, but as a child grows into adolescence and then young adulthood, there's a natural maturation process that probes them. And again, in uh, psychology, we call this formal operational. So they're developing their formal ideas about life, about themselves. And so this age is naturally probing them to ask all kinds of questions, uh, to think about life in a deep way. So it's more than just asking why for sake of why, when you think of a five-year-old constantly saying, why, why, why? It's on a deeper level. It's asking why, because I need answers. Um, and so the big three, uh, oftentimes come out of this, right? So where do I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And young adults have left uh, the formative years and are entering into more uh, formal years. So they're formalizing what they believe. They are deciding what's true uh, because they have the mental facilities to actually do that now. So you can't pull the old penny out of the ear trick anymore. And then they're going to be like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Um, it, you know, it, they're not going to be fooled with those kinds of talks anymore. You can't give them fluff responses, in other words, uh, to their deep questions. So you must provide logical and rational answers. Um, and as we see statistics of uh, young people, um, when you're talking about they're going from that formative into that formal, they're really taking maybe what they've been taught and told, and they're going to embrace it and make it their own or they're not um, during this kind of formalizing period of their life. And as we see young people coming out of high school, I'm sure many of you have heard statistics all over the place as far as how many young people drop out. Of, of school um, during the college age, it's roughly about 64%. It's held that way, even increased a little bit through a lot of the research that's done since 2011 to currently 2021. We're looking at about 64%. Uh, there's some other uh, studies that have been done that show that 52% of incoming freshmen after four years of college will completely reject their faith. So they went in as a believer. The end of four years, they're going to completely reject their faith. It goes as high as 63% depending on the type of school they go to. And I know for just my personal experience in ministry and then also, you know, reading, researching and so forth, it seems to be a, when a lot of these believers are walking away from their faith, it's typically due to some form of in intellectual skepticism um, that they're not prepared to, you know, encounter. They're not prepared when they encounter it and how to handle it and rebuttal it. Um, and some of the reasons the young people have given for walking away from the church is uh, the church is not friendly to me doubting. Uh, it's not a place to get real answers to real problems. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, believe it because I said so mentality. And so there's not this safe environment that's cultured for them to 
uh, ask the questions. Um, and I'm, I'm with you, Mike, as far as, you know, they're, they're coming from that teenage into young adult and they're embracing all that they're going to own. Um, and we see this played out. Um, one book I read uh, here recently, uh, Barna Group, David Kinnaman, puts out a lot of good information and research and Faith for Exiles uh, talks a lot about what, what about those last 10% that are resilient disciples that stick to the church. And they just, here's a quick quote, and we'll jump into our next question. It says, but we believe many parents, educators, pastors, and other leaders are trying to prepare young Christians for Jerusalem to keep them safe and well protected for a world they no longer live in. And they imply this uh, name of digital Babylon is what we're currently living in. And I think what Mike is saying in the educational realm there at GCA, they are preparing uh, young Christians for digital Babylon instead of trying to protect them for Jerusalem. And I think that's vital. Uh, so we know, understand, I love the word you use, Mike, critical. Um, it's not just important. Uh, it is absolutely critical. And I, I'm right there with you on that. I see the importance. We've said for, for years in college ministry, you have to know what you believe, why you believe it, and you need to know, you know, the basis for that, where to find it at in Scripture. How are you integrating it, or how are you using apologetics there in your ministries? Yeah, so I'm kind of naturally a, a very questioning type person, so I just ask uh, questions. Uh, hey, what what's going on in our culture right now? So I use those, and I go over these controversial uh, topics, and there's not a shortage of them. Um, I was just talking to somebody right now whose uh, son is going to ECU here in the fall, and he was telling me that he had to join some kind of club, and um, he's an, he's an entering freshman um, attending the honors college there, and they they have to pick from uh, just a full list of different clubs that they could possibly get involved in, and all of them have to do with certain topics. And he said, all of them, he said, are super controversial. He's like, there's not one that you could just, you know, be a conservative thinker in or a biblical thinker in and then kind of slide under, you know, he said, so he's, he's going to be challenged in, in his faith. And so there's not a shortage of controversial topics out there. And then after I've studied it out, then I kind of walk through it together with, uh, with our group. Um, uh, because they're, they're certainly getting these topics at the university in every aspect. Like it's no longer just in the classroom. It is a social dynamic where you see the, uh, paintings all on, on a campus, the, the wall hangings, the, uh, the posters. I mean, it is everywhere. They're being inundated with it. So we have to talk about it. We can't pretend like not happening so i'll just think of a topic and then sort of study it and not sort of i will study it and then we 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 uh, deliberate as as a group about that particular topic and um if a student is coming uh, out of a public school setting in high school then they have already heard this quite a bit and without them even realizing it they they know the lingo they they know the talk and their thinking is even slightly bent this way um and so that's important to understand too where these students are coming from are they coming from a private school or a public school uh so we we need to think through these difficult issues and then teach them how to do it uh biblically so that's kind of how i start and again there's not a shortage of controversial topics so pick one study it and then kind of walk through them because i can guarantee you uh at least one person in there there will be more, but at least one will be able to use it in their life that week. So, 
No, definitely. Um, I think as we even, you know, look at the college campus, if that's where you're ministering or you just kind of open up your eyes to media, um, you'll see the questions um, that are coming at them. And I love how you're, you know, I think the thing is, yes, we sometimes we know the questions. Uh, The hard part is sometimes we don't know the answer personally. And so it takes us some time to dig and meditate and kind of plow through it to even formulate our own answer to the question. So that's why I think sometimes we shy away uh, or it could be the natural tendency to shy away from apologetics or, you know, I'm just going to go this route because I honestly don't even know for myself. And so I think what I love about apologetics, one, for this age group, it, it requires you to grow. You have to find the answer in order to give it to them. But I hate for that to be a hindering block for someone who may be listening. Um, you know, there are hard topics, but there's also topics you can start with. You don't have to dive into the absolute deepest, you know, philosophical argument there is. You can kind of hit some of the highlights and work yourself in. There's lots of resources, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. We've done uh, just some surveys, anonymous, I always say anonymous, possibly because they'll open up a little bit more, but we'll just put out a question survey beginning of the year, beginning of the semester. Hey, what is, if you could ask God one question and knew he would answer it, what would it be? Uh, if you'd like one uh, one topic answered from the Bible, one current event answered from the Bible, and we just let them answer, you know, write those questions down. Um, that's one way to feel your group. Um, do you feel, Mike, uh, as you're dealing with the topics, you know, 2021 and maybe three years ago, if you were dealing with topics back in 2018-19, are they the same? Are they different? Do apologetics, uh, I know apologetics is is what it is, but as far as the actual topics, do, do you feel they change with time or do they stay the same? I think I think they, they do change, and it's important for us to kind of adapt to that. I'm not saying we, we, we change truth, but the level of interest, you know, I'm not going to sit there and talk about something that was big in the 1970s to students who are, you know, uh, generation Zers who are like, what, what does it have to do with me right now? Um, so they, they do change and they are driven by culture and that's, that's okay. Culture is made up of, of, of time of people, groups, uh, even region. Um, so what is important to us on the Eastern side of Eastern North Carolina may not be as important to you if you're in upstate New York, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, but topics in the USA in general, um, apologetics, I would say may even look different than in other uh, parts of the world. And again, because that's based upon your culture and culture is made up of people and, and, and time and, and, and things. So, yeah. Um, no, I've seen a natural progression back, you know, t- 2012, 13, we were ministering an app and it was heavy on creation, evolution, creation, mm-hmm. evolution, creation. And I know that's still a big topic. It's still needed. But now, you know, eight years later, the culture has shifted. There's a lot of gender issues. There's a lot of political, you know, just a year ago, a lot of political questions that were coming up. Um, and I think I like what you say. We need to adapt uh, to what's going on and also specific to where we're at, too. I think the questions and what we're experiencing locally or in our culture will definitely dictate uh, how we need to uh, what questions we need to answer, and how we need to answer those questions. Um, do you feel that apologetics has been effective um, in your ministry or could you maybe share how it's been effective? Um, sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to be honest and, and engage effectiveness in something like this, just because there, there's like no data behind it, no, no numbers. Um, so um, anyways, if you're in college ministry or, you know, or anything like that, just know that that's a reality. So it's all based upon our anecdotal evidence. So uh, what, what people tell us, right. Their, their feedback. So I'm, I've been told that, that they're helpful. Um, 
I've heard stories uh, where, where students will come up to me and tell me that they were just talking about that with uh, someone at their university or someone, one of their closest friends that they just met. Um, and, and that, that, that our topic that we studied is going to help them. Um, I had one student, even they were live texting, uh, my, uh, my talk to, uh, a group chat that, that they had. And she was using what I was saying as arguments. And I'm like, yeah, great. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if that's helpful for you do it. So she was like using it live, you know? And so, uh, several of them, you know, I get asked this a lot. Hey, can you send me your notes? You know, things like that. So, um, so I, I would feel like if anything, at least it's, it's relevant. And so whether or not I'm providing all the clearest answers, I don't know, but, um, they, they at least feel like maybe these, these are topics that need to be, you know, heard. And I like what you say, it's hard, uh, sometimes to judge the fruit from apologetics uh, because it's you know some of it's not tangible um but it's it's growth in their minds and hearts and as you see them responding i think that is the effectiveness of it um and i'm sure as your ministry goes you'll hear stories of young people that will come back and say hey because you helped me here i was able to you know stay grounded or i was able to rebuttal this big issue or this helped me solve even this issue that was going on in my life um, kind of back to the topics, Mike, are there any major or just a few topics that you feel are just pressing, you know, 2021 that somebody may want to dive into or would be great for them to to begin to look at with their group? Yeah, I think right now the biggest one, like, you know, again, there there are a lot, but the biggest one that kind of has, it's it's the root of all these other ones, I would say is, is identity. Um, so it's like, what the ancient philosophers used to call ontology. What does it mean to be human? So our culture is obsessed with being true to yourself in, in a deep way. So in areas, this, this has impacts in areas of same-sex attraction. This has areas of what we just began in our Bible study here at Peoples, you know, uh, dealing with, um, uh, dealing with um, is, is, is the Bible sexist because Right now, there's a big push uh, against the patriarchy, right? And so, um, again, that stems to identity. Who who are we as women? Who are we as men? What does it even mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Which has influence into the transgender movement uh, that is becoming really normative. It's it's scary how normative it's becoming. Um, it's it's now considered a thing to say uh, that you're no longer male and you have this big come out. Uh, video that you'll post on Instagram and you have, you know, people there at your party, um, you know, instead, you know, you'll say, Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a female. There's one, one big study that Abigail Schreier puts out in her, in her book, Irreversible Damage, uh, dealing with the transgender issue. Uh, she was saying that there's, I think it was like 70% of those who came out as transgender said they had a friend who had also done it. And so what that means is there's, there's a big social acceptance to become this. And a lot of students who find themselves, you know, socially awkward, who have no friends when they come out, even though they're not transgender, but they'll come out, uh, all of a sudden they're accepted. And so they, they now enter into this new movement and it's beginning to be thought of as socially acceptable as young as five, six years old. And so the root of all that is identity <laughs> who, who are we at the core is a big issue when you boil it down. It affects most decisions that you do. It affects discussions. Um, the other one is, is truth. 
um, I would say, again, as, as a root issue, so living in a postmodern society where truth is just a social construct, um, thus it's impossible to really know truth. The only reason why, this is what they say, we think the way we think is because we grew up in that bubble. But how do we ultimately know? It's almost like Plato's cave story. If you remember uh, that story where the entire thing was an illusion and, and he found that there was reality beyond, beyond the cave, um, they would say that how do you know you know truth if you grew up in this Baptist church or in this Lutheran church or this Methodist church? That's all you know. And then they apply it to other areas. How do you know um, that marriage is between a man and a woman? That's, that's the home that you grew up in. So that's what's normal to you. But why, why is that truth? And so when, we're, when truth is being questioned, when identity is being questioned, it has these, these causal um, effects into other discussions. So if you can kind of narrow down those studies, it's, it's, it's kind of easy then to look around you and say, okay, this has implications in this area and implications in that area over there uh but identity i mean oof, that's that's probably i would say is probably the biggest one um because i mean it i mean when you think identity too it kind of influences what students want to study for the rest of their life so they identify themselves as an engineer if they want to study engineering well no that that i mean that's not really even the christian way to think it's not what we do um, and so we have to obviously align ourselves with, with Christ and find our identity in him. Um, but anyways, all that comes through, through the study of it. Yeah. And I, I agree. Identity is huge right now. Um, just from our experience, truth has been attacked everywhere, but I like what you said, um, as far as kind of narrowing down a root issue, we can deal with a lot of the effects, um, from, you know, the issues at hand. But I, I like what you say when you're, if you can narrow down to the root of some of these issues, being identity, um, the fact that we're made in the image of God, what does that really mean? And all the implications that come out of that uh, can really help maybe deal with multiple topics at one time where, you know, we still need to deal with all the, the questions, all the topics, but narrowing down and finding the root of some of these issues can really get to the bottom of it. Um, and there's lots of uh, resources, there's lots of things, you know, that are available when you think about identity, when you think about truth and so forth. Um, one thing that came to mind, we were talking about how to utilize apologetics um, in the in your ministry, um, is trying to create a safe place for young people to be willing to express their doubts or to ask the big questions. We emphasize that a lot in our training. A lot of times young people just start fearful. They don't think they can share doubts. They think they'll be looked down on, the doubts, unbelief, all this kind of stuff. So I think as you're trying to move forward with your young adult ministry, maybe trying to implement some aspects of apologetics, create an environment with them where they know they're safe. Maybe you express that. You say it you know, publicly that you know, you're safe here. or Just your response when they ask the questions will reveal a lot, how you respond, your facial expression. If you're like, whoa, I can't believe you're asking me that question. You know, they're never going to come back. They're not even going to seek you for an answer. So we always have to be open, understand what the culture is pressing on them, and not judge them because they're willing to come to us. Um, I can remember a young man a few years back. He uh, was a biology major. He We shared the gospel with him. He was growing, but he just would not make that next step of accepting Christ as a Savior. And so I invited him to lunch. Um, I tried to create an environment where he felt safe. We talked. I tried to build a relationship. And out of the blue, he just jumps in the middle of uh, lunch, uh, almost over the table, and says, where are dinosaurs at in the Bible? And I said, excuse me, what? 
Long story short, that was the one hang-up. Somebody had told him dinosaurs are not in the Bible. He knows dinosaurs are real scientifically. So if they can't be reconciled, then the Bible is not historically accurate in his mind. And so just trying to create that environment of safety for them, because they will ask the questions if you'll let them know that they can. So um, as we wind down here, Mike, uh, I know people may be wanting to get a little bit involved in apologetics. Maybe somebody's wanting to take it even deeper. Uh, what would be some resources you could recommend for somebody just maybe wanting to get their feet wet or start out, whether it's, you know, books or uh, podcast, whatever it is, what would you suggest to them? Sure. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot out there. It's not a shortage, which is great, you know, for anyone who's interested in getting started, anything um, like, uh, you know, a safe name, like whenever I think of certain topics, I always tell people, what's what's a safe author? You know, when you're just getting started, you're kind of new to the terrain. And so you're not sure, do I trust this person? Do I not? Um, but a safe name, if you will, uh, in the world of apologetics would be Sean McDowell. And so he's he's very thoughtful, but as our verse that we read in First Peter earlier talks about, we need to we need to give answers, but we need to give answers with meekness. And so Sean does just that. He's very gracious in his response to people. Um, some some would say he's too gracious, but I mean, honestly, um, you know, the love of Christ is extremely gracious. But uh, his his newest book on a new kind of apologist um, that's that's the name of it. A new kind of apologist. It's it's an excellent resource for you if, uh, if you're dealing with college students, just to kind of help lead you into, okay, yes, I do need to dig deeper in some of these issues, but he also gives the whys and what questions are asking today, things like that. He also has a website and social media platforms, pretty much in everything. And so he's super helpful. Um, a staple resource I would recommend is, is the book On Guard by William Lane Craig, uh, On Guard. And uh, it's a great primer to apologetics. It's deep, don't get me wrong. If you can work through and wrap your mind around on guard, literally any other apologetic work, it it just flows. It comes because he kind of helps you think through everything at the baseline. It's almost like your ABC. You can't learn to read without him. I would say on guard is almost like your ABC book for apologetics. Um, it's easier to learn other topics when you've read his book on guard. So that was recommended to me when I first got started. And I was like, really? This book? And then I read it and I was like, whoa, okay, that's why. And so every book I read, you know, literally on apologetics, I'm like, I can tie it to something he said. Um, as far as for those who want to go deeper, um, I would really recommend uh, for conversing with people, Greg uh, Kokel's book uh, called Tactics uh, is the best on engaging, knowing how to respond, what questions to ask, the purpose of conversation. I mean, he just, uh, he just really gets into it. He, he even gives recommended responses to certain topics that are controversial. And he just um, uh, revised his, his work too, because uh, I think it was like, I don't know which anniversary it was for that book, but he ended up updating it. So it's good, good stuff. Um, for, for deeper stuff, um, like really deep stuff, Sean, Sean has excellent like re recommended resources on his on his uh, page, pretty much for every topic. And so they're, they're all excellent. Uh, they'll take you down different pathways, depending on your interests. And our interests change at the time, like you may be interested right now in transgenderism, but later on, it may change to, you know, homosexuality, same-sex attraction. Um, later on, it may change to 
you know, specifically dealing with the historicity of scripture. And so, but there's all kinds of, all kinds of resources out there. Uh, Sean's website's great. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Sean McDowell, I, I follow a lot of what he does. His dad, Josh McDowell has written some, uh, even a small book that may get you started is more than a carpenter, just some background historical uh, truths as far as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Was Jesus really a carpenter? Did he really live? So forth. But I like identifying the author that you're comfortable with. And then I notice as I read behind authors that I know I'm comfortable with, they begin recommending people unknowingly in their work because they're quoting or they're saying, hey, this person said this or this person's constantly quoted. So then you know to navigate over to this person. Um, so I definitely, Sean Medow and his resources um, and uh, Greg Kokel's book uh, really transformed uh, my ability. And I guess, you know, as we wrap up here, you may be, okay, so I know some apologetics, or I would be willing to, you know, to learn some apologetics, but I'm really fearful about how to implement that out, you know, on the campus or, you know, at the door or in a conversation at a coffee shop with someone. His book uh, is absolutely tremendous, and it helps you to engage, but it also helps you to stay in control of the conversation just by asking questions. Um, and it's very compassionate. Um, it follows along kind of this whole idea of, you know, being compassionate with apologetics, not being argumentative. Um, but really, I've been able to implement that. And you bring people to a point many times just by asking these questions to where they go, I never thought about it that way. Oh, yeah. How did I come to that conclusion and so forth? And you see they're just their eyes will squint, their head will turn and you can see, OK, I left them thinking. And so sometimes with apologetics, uh, it may be to bring that person to a point of a decision with Jesus Christ, but many times it may be just to uh, get their wheel clicking again from all they've been taught from the professor, humanism, or the secular society, just to get them to say, okay, maybe I'm not thinking right there. And you call their false belief into question. Um, I think that's a big point of apologetics as well. Um, but apologetics has never been more needed today. I love what Mike says. It is critical. And I say with young adult ministry, college ministry, it is critical. And so if you're working with young adults, um, it is vitally important that you at least explore some resources. You kind of get yourself somewhat. I mean, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in apologetics. If you want to roll for it, do it, you know, and let us know. We'll have you in to speak and talk and, you know, share some advice with us. Um, but with all the access to information that young people have, the overwhelming voices that are competing, you know, for their ears or attention, the influence, uh, we need to be ready to engage them and also to give them an answer more than just bless God. The Bible says it, believe it. <laughs> That's not working. Uh, we see that with the dropouts and so forth. So, uh, Mike, I appreciate you taking time. You've been a great help. Just your insight, uh, the resources and stuff you gave. All right. Well, we appreciate you taking time, Mike, and we hope this me Thank episode you. has been a help to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you. If it has, please share it with a friend or you can subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.